G'day and welcome to episode three in the Defending Conscience podcast. I'm here with uh, Matthew Littlefield and Tim Grant, co-authors of Defending Conscience, How Baptists Reminded the World to Defy Tyranny. Uh, you can get that book from defendingconscience.com. Head over there now or as soon as you finish this episode and uh, grab your copy if you haven't ordered it yet. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the themes of the book and Tim, I'd wonder if you'd like to start for us, please, uh, especially on the theme, which really is the theme of the last two years and and part of the incredibly important part of the stimulus for writing this book uh, is the the lack of freedom we've had in in our conscience in Australia and the rest of the world regarding medical mandates. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I said in the last uh podcasts that we look at the Anabaptist, English Baptist, American Baptist prohibition. But what we found as we've done our research is, is there's a, a strong link between uh, the Baptist history of how they advocated for, for liberty, liberty of conscience. And, and uh, they, they primarily did it from three uh, passages of scripture. And, and we, at the end of our book, we bring in, in the same defense that those Baptists and Anabaptists did uh, to provide a defense against medical mandates. And those three passages are some that have been brandied around, or at least two of the passages have in the last few years. The first, obviously, is uh, Romans 13, which is, uh, if you would have heard it said, simply obey the government. But the Baptists never provided um, an open slate to government, uh, the magistrate government power. Uh, they said that the, um, the magistrate had power um, or, or were entrusted by God to oversee the second table of the law of Moses. That is those last six commands that relate to myself and my neighbor. Um, and so we don't simply just give the magistrate open uh, uh, power in our lives. Um, they, the, 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 the sphere of the magistrate is contained by what God has um, provided there, um, those, those last six commands. And, and that really is keeping the rule of law in society. So that's the first uh, theme or, or, or passage that is, continually uh, pops up in Anabaptist and Baptist history, Romans 13. The second one, obviously, is uh, Romans 14, uh, to say that uh, the state can't give an account before God for my actions. Someone else can't give an account before God for my actions. I'm the only one that can give an account uh, before God for my actions. And therefore, on these matters of Christian liberty, uh, I need to be given freedom. What mm -hmm. might be uh, a sin for you might not be a sin for me and vice versa. Um, simply because of, of how we um, understand Scripture. Uh, in one of Christi Christopher Blackwood's arguments in his, in his book, um, The Stormy of Antichrist, he says, well, because you've read different books, you've gone to hear different people speak, we're going to come to different conclusions on some things, and therefore we need liberty of conscience. The third passage that was... That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you, you can't gloss over that. Uh, we, one, of the, one of my favourite themes is, is church and state. And Thomas Jefferson um, articulates beautifully in some writings somewhere, uh, and I'm, I'm going to mangle the quote because uh, I remember it badly, but it's something along the lines of, we have in observed, we the American founding fathers and, and government, we have observed, or maybe even society, the quiet and enjoyment that comes from letting people live according to the conclusions 
uh, and, and convictions he has formed as a result of careful deliberation. Yep. And everybody's, and he's talking about the importance of religion and the importance of church and how that's conducive to a quiet and civil society, not an unruly and anarchic society. Um, but he, he's basically saying we all have careful deliberations and, and whatever conclusions you've come to, you've come to with good conscience and, and carefully and you should be allowed to follow those. And good society will generally ensue as a result. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, now the third passage that the uh, Baptists appealed to was from Matthew uh, 13, uh, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, just, and there they observe that those uh, tears, um, the final judgment of those tears isn't done by the magistrate. It's done by the, the angels in heaven. And so they say, look, these tares um, are, are people who are otherwise uh, obedient to the magistrate, but they have a difference of uh, opinion in conscience or, or, or in, in regards to religions, in, in religion, in obedience to God. Uh, and therefore, we don't bring in the civil sword to judge them on those matters. We leave that to the end of time. We leave that to the angels to, to, to judge. Therefore, on matters of conscience, uh, get the civil sword out of it. Uh, yeah. Let these people uh, act according to their conscience. You know, whether Roger Williams and his work, um, The Bloody Tenet of Con uh, Persecution for the Sake of Conscience, one of the uh, articles or, or, or documents that we address, you know, he says whether they be papists or Turks or Protestants, um, these are things that we're not going to uh, uh, bring in the coercive uh, power of the civil sword. We're going to leave them to act according to their, to their conscience. So those are the three passages from Baptist history that we use to form a defense against medical mandates. We also go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, uh, that passage that says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, right. glorify God in your body. Uh, as Matt said previously, in a previous episode, our, our, our Christ has made a claim on our body. Actually, one of the th uh, points that we pick up or I pick up was I mentioned Isaac Bacchus in an earlier episode. And he said that tyranny uh, occurs when the state makes a claim or intermeddles is the word he uses, intermeddles in something that Christ has already made a claim. Great. And from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 to 20, we can see that Christ has made a claim over our not simply our souls and our spirits but our physical bodies and because the state is now intermeddling in that there is tyranny of conscience uh, that has occurred and so from first corinthians chapter 6 we say well christ has made a claim over our bodies and not everyone is going to be in agreement of how to glorify god uh, with our physical bodies and therefore mm. uh, we need to have freedom in that regard matt are there any natural limits to this fundamental God-given right, liberty of conscience? Are there any natural limits where, you know, the what the state magistrate, um, the authority who bears the sword, where they have a right to make a demand on our bodies? So this is a very important point. And one of the objections which people made to our, our arguments from the very beginning when we wrote the Ezekiel Declaration is that oh, you guys are just anti-government. You guys are anti-government. No, we're not. And Baptists have never been anti-government. Baptists have always understood the importance of the role of government in maintaining order. 
Romans 13 is very clear that God has given government, governing authorities we are to be subject to them, and they have the right to punish those who do evil. Mm -hmm. So there is a natural limit. So for example, I don't have the right to harm your body, and the government has the right to punish me for harming your body. Why is that? Because your right to liberty in your own sphere of existence, your, your body, should be protected. It shouldn't be violated. And it's a very clear distinction in Scripture. And it, it's very easy to apply to society. When you have responsible Christian citizens or responsible citizens who understand you need to treat other people with dignity, you actually don't need to control and micromanage people's decisions. What we see in Romans 13 and 14 is we see a very important... Many people see Romans 13 to be uh, the extent of the government's power, but it's actually about the limiting of the government's power because what does the government have the right to do? To punish those who do what is wicked, to do that which is evil. And then what does Paul do as, as Timothy... Oh, so you mean they see it as the extent as, as a positive thing, how far? Yeah, so basically there are many Christians who think that what Romans 13 is saying is if it doesn't contradict the, uh, the gospel, then the, the government can basically do whatever it wants. That is a wicked and terrifying view of the government. I mean, think of a government that has that power. That's a government that makes Stalin look like an angel, right? Why? Because even I don't even think he claimed that much power over a person's life. And Stalin was no angel. Maybe we need to just make that clear. He was a, is a demonic man. But if the government can just do whatever it wants, as long as it doesn't contradict the gospel, uh, well, okay, what about Pharaoh? That was, a, that was a common thing, is people... And I heard this argument being made, was that if the government isn't asking you to explicitly and proactively disobey uh, God and, and to actually commit a, a, an active sin, then you can you must obey them in all other things. Okay. Well, does the scriptures command you that you can't send your children to school? No. So does the government have the right to ban you from teaching them at home? Well, some Christians might say yes. But I would say absolutely not, mm. because who is the sphere who's in charge of the, the home? The parents, mm. the father and the mother have that responsibility. What people are misunderstanding about the, part of the way that God structured the world is that he, we live in a fallen world. Uh, at the end of the day, we were supposed to live in a perfect world that was perfect in liberty, that had complete freedom. <laughs> or we only had one command. You don't have to eat of the, of the tree of, don't eat of the, tree of good and evil you can eat from the tree of life any other tree you want just don't eat from this one tree we broke that command and we fell into a world of evil mm. and god gives things gives us good things in this world to limit the the damage that evil can do one of those things is nations why does god give us nations and nationalism so that that limits the impact and danger that empires can have why does god give us uh, marriage well because it, it creates a safe place within which People and children especially can be raised and nourished. And why does God give us government? It's very simple, to restrain evil. The goal of government in scripture, never in scripture is the goal of government to micromanage your life as long as they don't go against the gospel. The goal of, uh, the, the role of government in scripture is very clear, to punish the evildoer. And if you read Romans 13, he actually goes through some of the laws which he applies, and they're laws like those who steal, those who murder. And then he says, any other such commandment, or any other commandment. In other words, commandments which pertain to the second tablet of the law. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see there's not just 10 commandments, right? 
There's all these other commandments, some of them pertaining to the first tablet of the law, which have to do with worship of God, and some pertaining to the second tablet of the law, which has to do with civil society. And there are many different commandments in, within that which have help you to have a restrained society. But here's an interesting point, right? How many laws do Australians have? Far too many. <laughs> so in America, I, this number might be out of date, but I looked this up a couple of years ago, and just for gun control, there are something like 20,000 laws wow. in America. Now, we thought they had none, right? We thought they had none. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> they have, that's just for gun control, right? No one knows the number. No one knows the number in Australia. It's likely less than America, but I don't even know how you would find out the number. How many laws were there in the Old Testament? 613. What a free way to live. Mm. And, and did the government micromanage every aspect of people's lives? Paul couldn't conceive of a government having that right. But the government does have a right, and it's a necessary role to punish the evildoer. I mean, if there is not a strong government in place that can punish the evildoer, then the strongest gang will take control. And there are societies which it's live true. in that. Yeah. It's 100% true. Yeah. So when you understand the correct role of government, you understand this is not an anti-government position. This is not saying... Wouldn't the strongest gang just then be the government? Uh, maybe that's the way that some governments have come to... Of formation in the past. But if you look at uh, ancient monarchies, and this is a whole other topic which is fascinating to study, they'll mm -hmm. trace themselves back to Hamshem and Japheth. And, and part of what they were doing there was showing where we weren't just from gangs. My dad was related to this guy who was descended from this guy who had this authority, and this authority was God-given. And so even ancient monarchies understood the importance of not just being considered the greatest gang. Uh, so you can read the ancient Anglo-Saxon, the ancient, Brit ancient Britain, many ancient genealogies which trace themselves all the way back to the guys who stepped off the ark. Uh, so that's a whole other discussion to get into, but you are absolutely correct that in some places, the largest gang is just. But there's, there's a, there's, that's not also true as well, because that largest gang can't just take power, they also have the consent of the governed. And that's a big part of Western society. It's very hard to hold on to uh, government that way with with uh, fear and, and might. Uh, that's why you find invaders, it's very hard to hold on to the nation that they've invaded because requiring an ongoing heavy-handed military presence isn't sustainable. Absolutely correct. It's just, it's almost an impossible task as we've seen in modern times and you see it all throughout history. Mm. Uh, but when it comes down to it, there is a correct role for government in scripture. It's an important role. And Baptists have always believed in that role. Baptists have never been anti-government. You could argue that Anabaptists sometimes were. Uh, maybe that's because they were so harshly persecuted so early in the Reformation where there was almost no mercy for them. Mm. Uh, but Baptists have always believed, and they were very clear to, to make this case from the beginning. We understand there's an important role for the government in society, but the government must remain in that role. And this is the, another mistake directly related to this that Christians make. They think that it goes God, government, church. No, it goes God, government, and church. Side and then family. There's three spheres of authority, and they all have their own... So for those people listening to the podcast and not watching it, <laughs> uh, uh, Matt's drawn three limbs accountable directly to God and not subordinate to each other. Yeah, but they are all subordinate <laughs> to each other in certain roles. So, for example, something like fire codes the church would submit to the government. Yep. Um, in aspects of employment law, a, a, a family business will submit to the government. Yep. 
but in other aspects, they, they completely have their own sovereignty and responsibilities. And when you understand that, it's a balance of powers. And when you look at Western society, what did we base our society on? A tripartite balance of powers, uh, which we actually see taught in the scriptures. It's actually quite beautiful to see that same principle applied in a different way to our political structure. And what happens when you have a balance of powers? You don't have tyranny. That's exactly what we need. And, and yeah, I mean, this is 100% the fact that the church has areas where they are the highest authority under God. Uh, and, and that, I mean, for example, when to open the doors of church. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not something government, I thought, ever had a right to tell the pastor, you may not open, you must turn people away. People who come to you on a Sunday morning for ministry, for uh, laying on of hands, for communion, for fellowship, for encouraging and exhorting, mm. um, you must turn them away and tell them go online. Yeah. Uh, how wicked, how wicked. And disconcerting. And it felt so wrong to even see it happen for a little bit. It, it, it's just not right. I mean, who is the Lord of the church? Christ. Not our premier or prime minister. No, this is an important point. Who is the Lord of the church? Christ. Christ. Who is the Lord of the government? Christ. Who is the Lord of the family? Christ. So there are certain areas in which we only answer directly to our Lord. Mm. And there is there is overlapping spheres here. And this is an important, uh, and this is actually can be a tricky topic. There, are, there can be areas of this topic which can get tricky. A really good person to listen to on this is Doug Wilson, a minister in America. But what's fascinating about this issue, these issues is they were settled in the past. And we live in the flourishment of the settling of these issues. And one of the things which Tim and I found so frustrating is like, hang on a sec, we're having all of these discussions. These were already settled in our society. If you look in, if you look in Queensland law, it directly says in the Queensland Human Rights Act of 2019 that freedom of conscience and freedom of religion are rights in Queensland. This isn't international law. This isn't Australian you know, federal law, this is specific Queensland law directly related to the jurisdiction which we live in, which says we have a right. Now, where did that right to freedom of conscience and freedom of religion come from? Well, that's a Baptist argument. And we want to show that in our book. And we want to show people why it's important we don't disconnect these beliefs from the origin. And the origin is the teachings of Jesus Christ. I think that's a a very important um, point, and it's very well made. so encourage everybody go grab the book defendingconscience.com we're just skimming across the surface in this podcast uh, and these details and arguments the history gets documented in full and 100 percent right these are issues that are settled and we've dealt with them uh, and government has been permitted to forget them because voters have forgotten them Uh, we've had tyranny these past few years because uh, the government has operated with the consent of the governed. Exactly correct. Tyranny can only happen in a a democratic society if people let it happen. I mean, in Australian society, ultimately, the ministers that serve us, and they're called ministers for a reason. They're not called emperors. They're not called uh, many other things. They're called ministers because that comes from the Greek word in the New Testament, diakonos, which means servant. Servant. They're to serve the people. And it's it, it it's vitally important that Christians understand the necessity of us keeping them in check. Yep. And if we don't keep them in check, 
the way our society works, the idea of the consent of the governed means they'll go, okay, people don't care, we can go further. Oh, people still don't care? We I know for further. a fact <laughs> that uh, I had inside reports to, to me in the first month of the National Cabinet, uh, where off the record, they were surprised. They were pleasantly surprised, maybe even a little startled, pleasantly, that they were getting away with it. They did not expect the population to be so compliant and lay down civil liberties so easily and so quickly. Yes, it's, it, it, it's remarkable. None of us thought we would ever see it, but a society cannot give up on God and give up on its morals, which come from the scriptures, and not completely be given over to tyranny eventually. Mm. That is, is the cycle of history. Yep. All right, let's uh, wrap up episode three there. I think this was episode three. Um, make sure you listen to the first ones and grab the book Defending Conscience from the website defendingconscience.com. Thanks, gentlemen. We'll see you in the next episode.